This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Vladimir. He's hunched over, sitting on a fallen tree as a light snow falls around him. And he's crying because he believes his brother Dmitri is dead. And Vladimir has an idea of where his brother's body is, but he may never know for sure. He believes Dmitri is buried in a shallow ditch with dozens of other bodies in a mass grave not far from where he's sitting. What you have behind me here is a mass grave, and that's where uh, the people here tell us that around 150 bodies uh, have, been, have been buried here. For the past few days, the world has reacted in horror to the shocking images coming out of Bucha, Ukraine. Some believe the revelation of alleged Russian atrocities may even be a tipping point in this conflict. Bodies littering the streets of Bucha, some of them tossed out with the trash. They are still finding bodies, a lot of bodies inside houses. A lot Today, we are going to talk about the very graphic, brutal, and horrific reality of what happened there, because there are fears that Bucha could be just the beginning. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky visited Bucha today, calling these horrible acts, quote, war crimes, and predicting they will be recognized by the world ultimately as genocide. My guest is CNN's Phil Black. For years, he was based in Moscow covering Vladimir Putin. We talk about why similar atrocities seem to be part of Russia's playbook, the response from the West, and how this could impact negotiations between Ukraine and Russia. From CNN, this is Tug of War. I'm David Rind. So, Phil, you're in Lviv, Ukraine, right now. It is Tuesday afternoon there. But, of course, we need to talk about Bucha. Can we just get oriented here real quick? Where is it and what was Bucha like before the war? So Bucha is often described as an outer suburb of Kiev. It, it, it technically falls beyond the city limits, but it is very close. It's right up against it. Uh, it's a small community to the north, northwest, uh, tens of thousands of people. It, it's not big. It is largely residential, uh, a fairly quiet place, uh, we understand. That is, of course, before the Russians came. Right. So the Russians came and then they started to leave. And can you just describe for us what has been seen by CNN and others in the days since the Russians have left? So I think the physical destruction isn't a surprise. The buildings, the homes, uh, the, the the streets, and, and even the, the Russian fighting vehicles that have been left behind destroyed. What has shocked people around the world uh, have been the, the bodies, the evidence of a very intimate brutal violence that has been carried out uh, during their brief few weeks occupying uh, this particular area. And the reason why it's shocking is because it's not just the indiscriminate shelling and shooting and, and the indifference to civilian life that we've seen so clearly through this war. This is different. It is more specific. It's more targeted, as I say, more intimate, because it seems that some of these people have effectively been 
killed at point-blank range, sometimes with their hands tied, obviously showing no threat to anybody at, at the moment uh, in which they were killed. There is a particular location that the Ukrainian authorities have been keen for people and journalists to see, and indeed they released videos of it themselves beforehand. And it's a basement under a, what they describe as a children's sanatorium, uh, in which it appears it was essentially used as a torture and execution chamber. <laughs> Tetyana Volodmyrivna weeps beside her husband's shallow grave. She says he was taken from their home and weeks later found in a basement, tortured, mutilated, shot in the head. Five bodies were found there, all men, hands bound, uh, some shot through the legs, uh, all of them uh, with gunshot wounds to the head uh, as well. Uh, and it fits what has been found in other locations uh, across uh, across Butcher as well. Particularly, and this is this is the clear trend, I, I guess, often men, men of fighting age, they are the ones that seem to have been really the focus of this sort of targeted brutality. Oh, it's just horrific. Phil, why did Russia leave Butcher in the first place? Well, the Russian version is that they never really had any intention of staying, that they were simply approaching Kiev to divert attention uh, and create a bit of a distraction for Ukraine's military to deal with while they concentrated on what they really really care about in the east of the country. But I think the accepted reality is they failed. These are Russian forces whose job it was to initially take the capital very quickly. That didn't work out. And when that didn't happen, they then had the job of trying to encircle the capital. That didn't happen either. So after taking beating after beating, the decision was made by Russia to consolidate its efforts elsewhere and really out of necessity, just an acceptance of the military realities on the ground, uh, Russian forces started to pull back. And and in, in kind of spinning their wheels there as they approach Kiev, is that where some of these atrocities kind of came in in the meantime? Like like where does that fit into the, the puzzle here? So from some of the accounts that we're hearing on the ground, the answer to that, I, I think, is yes. It, there is the suggestion that some of this behavior from the Russians was an outlet or an expression of frustration. Um, mm. They were doing very poorly militarily. They were struggling. Uh, and to some degree, uh, they expressed that frustration by taking it out on the civilian population. That is not to say that that is the case all of the time. Um, right. or was the case all of the time, and it is not to say that that suffering wouldn't have happened otherwise. But the fact that they were essentially bogged down with nowhere to go, they'd paid a very high price in terms of lives and resources just to fight to that point and to then hold on to that territory for the few weeks that they did. Uh, there, There is this sense that uh, it was a very angry, frustrated Russian military uh, that was taking out its anger uh, on the people of Bucha. What is Russia saying about these images? Are they, you know, even acknowledging that this actually happened? Russia, David, is saying what Russia tends to say when it is accused of bad or terrible behavior. Um, it's saying it wasn't us. We didn't do it. Uh, so therefore, it must have been you. Uh, Russia is saying that no civilians were harmed during Russia's occupation, none whatsoever. And it says that any evidence to suggest otherwise is part of a broad conspiracy to perpetuate an anti-Russian 
narrative, a false narrative. So essentially, it's saying that all of this is a hoax, that it's been faked and staged to make Russia look bad. Yeah, they're saying these killings took place after Russian troops had left. But, you know, our CNN teams who went to Bucha say there's just no way that could be true. Uh, indeed. I mean, there's no question that these people uh, that were killed. There's no question how they were killed. You can get into an argument about the timeline, but that doesn't help Russia's argument uh, either, given that Russia only gave up or lost control of this particular territory at the end of March. Many of these bodies are in an advanced state of decomposition. They have mm. uh, clearly been dead for some time. Uh, and in addition to that, um, uh, satellite photos, which CNN has looked at, show that there were bodies in these locations, on these street corners, on the road, on the paths and so forth, uh, some days before Russia's occupation of the period ended. And then, of course, there are people's accounts. There are the stories that, that we are hearing from people who were in Bucha who lived right through uh, the occupation uh, and who witnessed some of this or, or, and who themselves came uh, into contact with the, with the Russian soldiers during that time. So I guess my question is, why? Why would the Russians treat people this way? Is this part of a playbook that we've seen from them in the past? Yeah, I guess the simple answer is they've got form for this sort of behavior. Uh, so there are perhaps cultural and tactical points at play here. Culturally, yes, if you look at Russia's recent wars, there has been this indifference to civilian life. And more than that, there have been documented atrocities uh, in Syria, uh, particularly in the Chechen wars as well in, in the late mm -hmm. 90s. Um, and what we're hearing from the anecdotal accounts on the ground suggests that much of the, the harassment and indeed the torture and the killing was very targeted. It seems that men of fighting age seem to be the specific target more often than not. Uh, it seems that the Russians were, were looking for people uh, going through their phones, inspecting their bodies for tattoos, looking for people who may have had some sort of affiliation with a nationalist Ukrainian group, or as the Russian government calls them, Nazis. Uh, and these are the people in the Russian narrative that have very much been demonized as, as the great enemy to Russia in Ukraine and have very much been used as the justification for, for all of the war uh, up until this point, really. More of my conversation with Phil Black in just a minute. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So what is the response then from the West, from U- Ukraine? How have they been responding to these these images? I think among Ukrainians, there is shock, even even in a war that already has been defined by this callous indifference towards civilians through the indiscriminate shelling of people's homes and other civilian targets, in a war that has caused so much civilian suffering, these pictures, these stories are still shocking. And as I say, that's because of the brutality and the deliberate nature in which this was carried out. The the, the intimacy, the, the up-close nature of this violence is very different to sending a shell into an apartment building, for, for, for example. Uh, and the fact that we are so graphically seeing the physical evidence of what was done to these people. Uh, and so I, I think you could see that on President Zelensky's face when he visited Bucha uh, on Monday. He looked genuinely shaken. We want you to show the world what happened here, what the Russian military did what the Russian Federation did in peaceful Ukraine. It was important for you to see that these were civilians. But he is calling, as a result of this, on the world to toughen up its response to Russia. We are going to exert maximum pressure. We shall not pause for one minute to find all the criminals, and I think this will benefit civilization. And we are hearing answers to that call, mostly from the West, from across Europe, the United States, where there is already talk of toughening up sanctions uh, and there are calls for war crimes investigations and, and so forth. Yeah, but how tough can you get here? You know, the U.S. is planning to introduce a new sanctions package against Russia, but, you know, weeks of sanctions have not stopped the bombings. And I know the U.S. is pushing for them to be suspended, but as of now, Russia is still even part of the U.N. Security Council. Like, how is the West navigating this? There are pragmatic realities. Yeah, Russia is part of the Security Council. So that means that censoring Russia, punishing Russia in any way through the UN is pretty much impossible because Mm. Russia has a veto on Security Council resolutions, as does China, which has not overtly supported Russia in this invasion, but certainly has not condemned Russia. So it means that there are certain diplomatic dead ends that uh, that can't be breached Uh, But what countries are talking about doing is further stepping up uh, economic sanctions. Uh, And from Europe, for example, they're already talking about going further than they already have done. Today, the EU is talking about banning imports uh, of Russian coal. They're talking about considering doing the same for oil. And of course, they are talking about accelerating their move away from being dependent on Russian natural gas. But that's not something that some countries are prepared to do immediately. They're not prepared to just turn off the taps. They say they're prepared to move quickly. They're prepared to accept a degree of pain for this. I I guess I'm talking notably about Germany here. But they can't just switch off uh, those pipelines immediately. 
So right. it'll take some years uh, for them to achieve that. President Zelensky said could potentially be tough to negotiate with Vladimir Putin if these kind of images are coming out. Do you get a sense that this could negatively impact the the talks between the two countries in terms of easing hostilities as far off as that may seem? I mean, that's what Zelensky is saying, because from the Ukrainian point of view, they were already pretty unhappy about making concessions at the negotiating table, because in their view, they are the victim. They are the ones that have been attacked unjustly. They are the ones who have had their cities devastated, uh, millions of people displaced. They have already experienced vast human suffering. Why should they have to make concessions that could potentially see them give up Ukrainian territory, for example? Now, add to that existing feeling the inevitable emotions that must come with witnessing the pictures out of Butcher, hearing the stories of, of what has happened, those very gruesome details. And you can see why he would think it is very difficult to sit across from a table and, and negotiate with these people directly in, in a good faith way. Um, and that's why he's, he sort of really talked down the possibility of him meeting face-to-face -face with President Putin as a direct result of all that we've learnt in recent days. Whereas recently, as, as last week, some Ukrainian officials were talking about that being a very imminent possibility. Now, Bucha is just one town where we've seen these horrible images. Are there fears that as Russia leaves more places around the country that we could see similar or, you know, God forbid, even worse? Yeah, David, I, I think undoubtedly that is the fear. Um, some would say the expectation, I think. Certainly that's the way Ukrainians feel. Based upon what they've heard, based upon what they've seen, um, the expectation is that this is just a little window into what life has been like under Russian occupation. Uh, we haven't had this insight up until now. And it, we, are, we are only seeing it because the Russians have pulled back from this territory. Of course, there are other areas where they have stayed in control from almost the start of the invasion, and they are still looking to expand their control, particularly in the East. And although President Zelensky says he expects Russia to begin a much more vigorous effort of covering up its crimes, uh, the expectation is, I think, that you will still see evidence that civilians have been killed and harmed, and deliberately tortured and maimed, mutilated in the words of the wife of uh, one victim in Butcher, these sorts of things. We're still going to hear these stories um, and perhaps on a, on a greater scale than we have already. Phil Black, there in Lviv. Thanks for explaining this for us. Thanks, David. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, new episodes of this podcast drop every Sunday and Wednesday. And if you're looking for up-to-the-minute, real-time updates on the war, you can subscribe to CNN Five Things wherever you listen. Tug of War is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by me, David Rind, along with Audrey Horwitz, Nathan Miller, and Paula Ortiz. Felicia Patinkin is the senior producer, and Megan Marcus is the executive producer. Special thanks to Andrew Morse, Courtney Coop, Ashley Lusk, and Elizabeth Roberts. I'll talk to you next time.
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protest that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app.